Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Rocks Life podcast. I'm Greg and today my guest is Olympic legend Eve Muirhead. Eve is a pretty special athlete. She's been to the Olympic Games four times and in her most recent one in Beijing, won the gold medal in curling. What's more, she's a scratch golfer, a champion bagpiper, and since retiring from curling has taken on a marathon in an impressive time and also podiumed at High Rocks. For me, a big part of this podcast is being able to hear from amazing, high-performing people to try and look under the hood, so to speak, and find out what drives them and what helps them achieve all that they do. Eve is 1000% the type of person I want to talk to on here, someone who can seemingly turn her hand to anything and become incredibly good at it. She is amazing, she's inspiring, she shared so much in our chat and was such a pleasure to talk to. I think you'll be able to take a huge amount away from it and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's a truly fantastic episode with a true sporting legend. In other news, over on the site we have a write-up of the recent Chicago and Paris events the Chicago one I was at and it included the first elite races of the season which were fantastic. You can read more about those on rockslife.com where you can also find out more about our 12-week training plan and our personalised coaching plans to help you get ready for your next race. I do just want to give some shout outs to two brands that I use and love and who help make this show possible. Firstly, X Endurance whose range of supplements are perfect for someone preparing for High Rocks. I've talked about them a lot in the past on the show and now for a short time, if you use code ROCKSLIFE at checkout, they will give you 20% off your order. Things like their Crea Pure Creatine, their Fuel 5 car product and their great tasting electrolytes are some of the best of their type on the market and something I, as a nutritionist, believe that most people would benefit from if they are training for Hyrox. I've used them for a long time now and I have no hesitation in recommending them. So go check them out at xendurance.eu and remember to use code ROCKSLIFE for a nice saving. Finally, Built for Athletes. I love my Built for Athletes bags. They're such high quality, can store so much and are perfect for taking to the gym, to events. I took mine to Chicago recently and it was perfect. They're trusted by over 150,000 everyday and elite athletes. And what's more, if you don't yet have one, or if you want to add to your collection, then use code ROCKS20 and they will very kindly give you 20% off your order, which you can place at builtforathletes.com. As ever, likes, shares, comments and nice reviews of this episode are very much appreciated on the socials. It helps us grow and helps us get the amazing guests that we do for your listening pleasure. Um, I think that's everything covered. Let's get into it. Really hope you enjoy it. this fantastic chat with the legend that is Eve Muirhead. All right, we're live. Eve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk about lots of physical activity in this podcast, but I, I thought we might start with the curling. Uh, it sounds like training for curling is more physical than I might have previously expected. Yeah, like I, I think a, a lot of people are quite surprised when they do hear what we what we did go through physically. And um, I think if you go back kind of 10, 20 years, it was a very different back then, a very different sport. And um, I think the, the kind of culture's changed. I think the physicality of um, what the demands are has changed. And I think it's more a case of every country trying to keep up with every other country and every country trying to get one step ahead. So um, it's it's definitely noticed now that the kind of more physically fit you are, um, the more successful you are. Um, for myself being a skip, 
I didn't do so much the kind of physical sweeping aspect of the game, but the more physically fit, the more mentally fit when it comes to the kind of tactical side of it. Um, and there's just so much that that it helps. Um, you could you could break it down into the training we did in terms of Olympic lifts, um, a lot of core stability, a lot of single leg drive, um, and um, a lot of kind of cardio um, interval training as well. Okay, presumably that's standing you in good stead for for what you've done since, like marathons, high rocks, things like that. Yeah, well, I think as well, once you're an athlete, you're you're kind of always an athlete, and you've got that athlete mentality. Um, I'm always one that that loves to to set a challenge. And um, I think all through my career, I've always been very goal driven as well. So I think having retired, I always needed to something to kind of look forward to, something to kind of drive towards. And I guess that's why I did um, stupid things, people may think, like the the marathon, um, high rocks, just different different events, duathlons and things that that um that take a lot of training to get to and then you're kind of on that that center stage and and you've got the the kind of buzz of that competition again yeah yeah um it's funny you mentioned mentality i was going to ask that so you grew up in a family of very high level curlers which is presumably how you got into the sport but do you feel like being brought up in that like did impact your mentality like did do you feel like there was an elite mindset within the family and like, can you think of any like specific examples that that sort of encourage that sort of mindset? Yeah, I would say I I, I grew up in a very active, competitive family, and um, I've got two two brothers, one older, one younger. And um, when you're the middle child and and you're the only female, um, you're kind of grown up, not scared to get your hands dirty in a way, if you know what I mean. Like you don't want to be the kind of weak one. And um, both of my brothers are very sporty. They were they were curlers as well. Um, both competitive, as I say, my dad also um, was a was a competitive curler at a very high level. So I've always been brought up with that um, kind of behind me um, as well. Growing up in a farm, I guess, like you're you're always um, getting outside. You're always, as I say, getting your hands dirty and there's no kind of shying away from hard work. So I would say that that definitely helped that strong mentality growing up, I think, as well when you're when you're at the high level of sport and you are at the same time as your brothers you're kind of you're pushing each other along a lot of the time and you're you're helping each other kind of strive towards achieving achieving that goal achieving achieving that dream um as much as sometimes there's kind of bragging rights here and there i think deep down you're always kind of supporting each other and you're always wanting the best out of each other mm. do you feel like there's a like a balance between um like that, that competitive and it being encouraging and everything like that and then like just feeling like it's become pushy and like losing the love for the sport it's, it's presumably a fine balance right yeah absolutely and I think that's one thing that that my parents did kind of very well or what I kind of look back and I'm very thankful for not once were we kind of pushed into sport not once were we pushed into curling Um, it was always our choice and I think that's one thing that um allowed me to probably get to the top a little easier mm-hmm. uh, I think you see quite a lot of kids nowadays that are kind of pushed into sport um, their parents follow them around they're everywhere they're on the sidelines they're they're um, probably causing more politics than, than what the actual the actual athletes are in the field and and sometimes you look at that and, and you kind of worry for for the for the actual head that sometimes like 
too pushy one drives you away from something and mm-hmm. um, like you've got to want to do it yourself and that's one thing that I always wanted to do growing up was I wanted to be I wanted to be that athlete I had that athlete mentality and I always went out with my comfort zone to kind of be the best and and try and get one ahead of everyone else mm-hmm. um I saw uh, you've done some coaching in curling since retiring it is, is are there any like from what you learned growing up or just your time competing, are there certain mindset aspects that you try to encourage in the people that you're coaching? Yeah, I've, I've just recently started actually doing a little bit of um, of curling coaching. Like it's over a year now since I retired and I, I needed that time away from, from curling, like full stop. I needed just to take a, a kind of full step away. And I didn't actually know whether I would go back to being involved within the sport at all um at times I was like never ever am I going near I'd be quite happy never to step foot in an ice rink again (laughs) Um, but like when you're away and you kind of see um you kind of see the sport carrying on unfolding and you feel like you can you can give something back you feel like you can help and um that's one thing that I've kind of stepped stepped forward and, and done and um I can't say I'm doing very much of it right now um but I'm helping helping a team um a few events maybe once twice a week doing some some on ice coaching um and I'm really enjoying it I am enjoying it I think sometimes I personally need to kind of like I need to think about what I'm doing because like I'm very like I'm very kind of driven I'm very forward thinking and sometimes you got to remember like you got to put yourself in their shoes like mm-hmm. not everyone was like me or is like me <laughs> yeah yeah um so you won Olympic gold Amazing. Congrats. Um, I, I saw on the Sun website, so it must be true, that you uh, that you said uh, one thing that was different about that Olympics, the previous Olympics, was that you went in and, and like you, you enjoyed it and you weren't, uh, I think you said you weren't afraid to lose, whereas maybe you had been in, in previous Olympics. It, it, do you feel like that made a big difference to, to the result? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, Beijing just passed. That was my, um, that was my, fourth olympics um and there was a time like when i maybe my first olympics in vancouver 2010 you you go into those games and you're kind of fearless you're not scared of losing um like you're kind of like a rabbit in headlights you're soaking it all in you're enjoying it um and then as your kind of career progresses and um things kind of get a little more kind of serious you maybe get a little bit more kind of known your you're kind of expected to do well that's when it kind of comes in that yeah of course you're you're scared to lose you're scared to make mistakes um you're you're playing games not to win them but not to lose them and um that that's not the way you want to you want to approach um so after after not qualifying first time around for Beijing like it was it was a pretty tough time that that I did go through and um I needed to kind of reassess a lot a lot of of why why I was scared to to lose why I was kind of punishing myself for every little small mistake I made like I expected everything to be perfect and if it wasn't inch perfect like it wasn't good enough and um, believe you me, come Beijing, like we made a lot of mistakes, but I think because we, or myself, I dealt with them in a very different way to what I just, I had previously. Um, I kind of assessed what I did. I I then kind of fixed it instead of kind of dwelling on it, making a kind of mohill into a mountain um, with, with the mistakes. And um, I think that that definitely helped us achieve the gold medal. Um, in terms of enjoying it more and um, not scared of as I say making mistakes giving everything a shot 
Um, and um, yeah, for sure, it, it definitely helped me be successful there. It's interesting. I um, I was in Chicago at the weekend and um, I went to this this track session with Chris Hinshaw, who's like an endurance coach, quite prominent in CrossFit. And he was talking to high rocks athletes before the race. And he said, like, you've got to take risks and like you, you can't be afraid to to lose, you know, like you were just saying. And it, it's, it is easy in high rocks. Like I talk about pacing a lot and not going out too hot and all those kinds of things. But at the same time, you have to take risks as well if you if you really yeah. want to win and get a good result. It was quite interesting, like the, the parallels between between what you just said and what he said. No, um, I definitely I think I think that's very important. I think if you're very cagey the whole time, like you're, you're never going to progress. You're just going to stick at a kind of plateau. And and I found that with my curling for a long time. Everyone was getting better, but I was kind of plateauing because I was too scared to take that risk, too scared to take that next step. Um, and like like what you just said, when when you do, and um, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but he, at least you tried. Um, yeah. And the majority of the time maybe doesn't work the first time, but I'll guarantee it'll probably work the second or third time. Yeah. Um. I I'll ask why we're talking about the Olympics. <clears throat> jet lag. Did you um did you deal with jet lag? Was it a problem for you competing? And the reason I ask is uh there was just the elite races in Chicago, and I, I feel like a lot of the European athletes in particular felt like jet lag affected them. And maybe they went into the race feeling okay, but as soon as you're pushing yourself to those limits, like yeah. that's when you notice it. Did you it's, did you cope with that? Any good tips? It's interesting that because um jet lag is something that like you never get better at it. Like it, it's one thing that I dealt with probably every couple of weeks in my career because we traveled a lot to Canada, a lot of world championships, events, kind of Japan, Korea, across the other side of the world. Um, and it's something that I, I find you just can't practice it. It's something that you need to be able to have your kind of your strategies in place to just to make make you be the best you can at it. Um, I personally like it it does impact you but and, and quite often I would um I would kind of get up early you obviously you wake up at five six in the morning and you you go to the gym you hit a gym session and before you know it you're you're flat on the floor and you're in bed you think god why am I so unfit um and it, it does impact you bef- more than what you think it impacts you if that makes sense um but I think I began to realize that you need to you need to allow time for your body clock to adjust um, as much as you maybe feel okay, your body does your body isn't okay. Um, so that that's one part of it that that I definitely um kind of got used to as my career went on. But yeah, we were we always traveled out a couple of days prior. Um, as much as you think, oh, I don't need to, it's fine, I'll be absolutely fine. Jet lag's just it's just tired. It it's not, it, it does impact your body. And I, I can see like a, a lot of the kind of Europeans who maybe aren't so used to it, not so used to traveling such long distances, not used to sitting um, in the same position for six, seven hours. Yeah. Um it's funny, yesterday I did a I did a strength session in the morning and um I spent the majority of the day in the car traveling around and, and last night I was in absolute bits. And it's just because like when you're when you're so active, I'm not used to sitting down for so long. And it does, it it definitely does impact you. Yeah. Yeah. Um I've got to ask, what what was the experience like winning Olympic gold? Was it as amazing as I guess it was? Yeah, of course. Um Beijing was slightly different being um in kind of COVID. Um, but at the end of the day, it was still still an Olympic Games and, and every kind of precaution they put in place was to protect us. And in terms of um, the kind of environment, of course, like PCR tests every single day, um, mask wearing 24-7, 
um food hall you're you're in your own kind of little box that you couldn't even kind of sit and chat to your teammates um I'll be honest the food wasn't great either um in Beijing it was um probably the worst that I've had at an Olympic Games um but winning Olympic gold like there's there's no feeling there's no feeling like it like it for me it was my my fourth time trying I'd have a had a taste at, at Sochi 2014 getting that bronze medal and from from that day like I realized that I wanted that gold medal and um I pushed myself to a lot of limits to achieve that and um sometimes you're at breaking point but I realized that if I wanted to achieve my goal um and get at the top of the podium like I needed to be out my comfort zone and do something a little different was it was there anything different you felt like you were doing to other competitors was it just like pushing yourself that much further yeah I I I, try, I always try and concentrate on myself um and not not too much on what my competitors are doing um I think if you focus too much on them then you forget about the kind of fundamentals within yourself um there, there's been times within my career probably when I was struggling a little bit if you can imagine like a cake like you're the 90 the 95 percent of the the 99 percent sorry of the cake that's the kind of fundamentals that you need to get right and then the kind of extra one percent that that's where you want to do a little extra and sometimes I concentrate too much on doing that one percent extra and you forget about the kind of basics um so I think for me I, I definitely just focused on getting the kind of fundamentals right getting the basics right and then just pushing myself to limits and um I know the old cliche saying like leave no stone unturned but really I I did I cut no corners I don't think I missed one single day of training um more or less in my whole my whole career um I I put myself through everything and um I guess mentally as well I found that if I just maybe stayed 10 minutes extra at training and threw another 10 stones Um, I probably slept better that night if I did one or two extra sets in the gym did an extra gym session slept again better that night just knowing I, I did a little bit more to be ahead of everyone else um you've done the London Marathon since since then uh in a time of 325 which is very impressive I, I heard you say were you were you much of a runner before that before training for that <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, no. The kind of marathon's a funny one because, like, I've always said I'd love to do a marathon, but you know, everyone just says that, oh, yeah, I'd love to do a marathon. Um, and I was lucky that so Steve Cram um, was doing the commentary for for the Colonel. I know Steve really, really well. And um, he was like, like, I'm going to, when I retired, he was like, right, what, what are you going to do? Like, what's next? And I said, well, I'd love to run a marathon. He's like, right, I'm going to help you. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of help you do your program, whatever. And I kind of expected it would be a generic right here's a kind of six month program off you go but oh no this was like a, a kind of weekly basis checking in most days sending them splits um it was like a, a proper full-on program and be, me being the person I was I don't think I missed one day of that either whether I was getting up at four in the morning to fit in a run or whether I was doing a run at nine at night um it, it's just what I did so um yeah prior to that definitely not a runner Um, I probably run a handful of times a year and the majority of that probably being like when I was up at my parents at Christmas or something when, when there wasn't any other kind of facilities there like you just go out for a run. Um, but yeah, prior to that, didn't do any running um, and yeah, managed to pull myself through the marathon. Nice. So I've, I've heard you say elsewhere that you went into it and you wanted a three and a half hour marathon. And I think most people, especially if they're not runners, even if they've got Steve Cram as a coach, might say like, 
I want sub four. Like that's probably the typical thing. So like, are you, are you, is that because you typically want to give yourself stretch goals? Like you've got high expectations of yourself. Is that the mentality that you bring to everything? Yeah, well, I remember when I first said to Steve, he was like, so what kind of time are you looking at? And I said, well, I'd love to do it in under three and a half or three and a half. And he was like, hmm, we've got some, <laughs> he's like, we've got some work to do. I was like, oh, okay. Um, yes, but like, I think I usually do set the bar pretty high for myself. Um, that was maybe a bit silly because I didn't really know like what I was going into as I say I wasn't I wasn't really a runner you just kind of you read things here and there don't you and you think yeah that's a good time three and a half let's let's go for that um, and as it was getting closer I had a bit of a niggle um, not long before I don't think I ran for I think it was about 16 days prior to the marathon because I, I had a kind of shin um, like a nerve a nerve injury um, and I thought, oh God, what have I done to myself? Because I knew if I'd finished it and I'd done it in like three thirty-one, I would have been not happy. Um, but yeah, so I've always, I'm always one to set the bar pretty high. I must admit, yeah. Um, okay, and so you've done curling, marathon, you're a scratch golfer, champion bagpiper. <laughs> um, so after after you raced higher at Dublin, someone messaged me and said, "Oh my God, Eve Muirhead's just done Dublin." You've got to try and get her on the podcast. And then he said, she is someone who sets a goal and achieves it. <laughs> um, do, like, do, do you feel like it's true? And like, what's, what is the process that you go? Are, are there any additional steps or do you feel like it is just the consistency, like the high expectations? Is there anything else that, that maybe you go through when you like, when you find even like what you're doing now with high rocks, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you think separates you? It's it's a good question. Um, I think like for me, I'm I'm very um. A lot of people think I guess they think you're a bit mad, but I'm just I'm very like determined. Like I'll never kind of wake up. Of course, there's days you wake up and you think, God, the last thing I want to do is train. But I'm the kind of person if I if I know that I've got a training session or decide that I'm training this day, this day, and this day, like no matter what, I will get it done and I will do it. Like I've just seemed to have that mindset that no matter what's in front of me, I I want to do it and I want to do a great job. Um, how High Rocks came about, it's it's funny because it was more like I, I, I did CrossFit quite a few times a week and I went in and um, I really enjoyed that. And then during COVID, I put together like my own gym in my garage. So I've got like all the all the equipment in my in my garage. And then, um, yeah, kind of High Rocks started off. And you know the way you see it on, I'm like, what's like, what is High Rocks? Like, what's all that about? And um and then I thought, well, like, why not give that a shot? Like, it, it could be the next challenge. And so I did the first one um, out in Rotterdam um, and then did did one recently there there in Dublin. And it's it's one of those events that once you kind of get started on you, it's not that you get hooked, but you set yourself a standard that then you, you want to do better. Mm-hmm. And for me, I guess it was in terms of like, you've got the kind of women's open and then you kind of move up to the to the kind of pro side of it um which which was a, a huge huge jump but it also then shows you like what it is you need to work at and get better at and um I guess ever since Dublin like I looked to see what I wasn't great at and I kind of worked my ass off to get better at those aspects of it um and but that's just the kind of person that I am and I'll sit and watch video after video of how to do that better like so Chicago last weekend like I watched because they were um because they were streaming that like I, I watched that to kind of get a few tips to see maybe what what do they do different that that I wasn't doing or what could I do that that could help me. 
Unfortunately, the streaming wasn't that easy to watch, was it? But uh... I, it was like to be fair, it was it, it, like it was no, it was okay. Like um, I'm used to watching dodgy streaming and curling games, so like I actually thought I actually thought it, <laughs> it wasn't too bad, but it was better than nothing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw you had uh, you had the best farmers carry and the sled push on the day for your category. Let's and... just not mention the sled pull. No, no, I, won't. I was going to leave that bit. Out. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah, that, that is very much a technique thing, though, because I, I looked at your your Rotterdam splits and uh, it, it it was it was good, but like that difference in weight oh, changes the technique, really, doesn't it? It uh, it does absolutely, and um, yeah, like I, I kind of went into the slide push and everything was going great, and then you hit the slide pull and like I, I don't think it's that I'm not strong enough. I think it's like what you say. It's definitely a lot of it's very much technique based. Um, and yeah, it, it's um, yeah, I'm determined to get better at it. Put it that way. It's <laughs> uh, higher up to fired you up more than a marathon. Yes, absolutely. Like I would not like I. I don't think I'll do a marathon again. Like I've done, I've done a half since. Um, I think a half's fine, but a marathon's just a whole other world of pain. Um, like. Steve's partner Ali was like oh you could do the big six like I would love to do that she was like um Steve will do this like New York with you and Paula will do whatever with you and I was like I am not running a marathon with Paula Rad. it is not happening um so yeah like I I still be able to, I still love being able to run at a decent kind of level um I can't say I go out very often now and just decide oh I'm going to go and do a 10k today or but I'll quite often do like park run a 5k and um, try and get try and get PBs or or throw it into my into into my training. Um, if I'm doing some high rocks type stuff, you have to get Steve to a high rocks. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> high rocks doubles with him. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, what's the toughest thing you think you've done sporting wise? It has. To, do you know what? I think it has to be the marathon. Like I found that. I found that mentally very, very difficult. Um, I think more just to kind of, everyone says it, like you hit the the kind of, the hole with kind of 10, 15K to go and I can 100% agree with them. Um, but I think it is, It's it was the it was the mental side of, of running the marathon that, that was really hard um, to the extent I crossed the line and I was doing like the interviews and I just, I burst into tears because I was just, like it's it's something that when I done when I finished and um completed it, it was just such a it wasn't a relief, but it was just known that I'd I'd gone through that because it was it's it's not it's not like a, a nice feeling. It's more can you push your yourself through it mentally. Um physically I was fine, absolutely fine. Apart from yeah, struggling to walk the next day, but I think that that comes with it. Um but I would say the marathon um is one of the toughest. But uh, as well like high rocks isn't far behind it because you look at it and you think right just just over an hour of of kind of pushing yourself of course i'm just going to be able to push that a little bit more but it's brutal because when you're on the when you're there you can train as much as you want at home but when you when you're on the day you always push yourself that little bit more yeah um and yeah like the run after the slide push or um like the way your arms are and the farmers carry towards the end the burpee brought like it, it's horrible it is and you push yourself to all sorts of dark places um but for some reason you just keep going and you always go back <laughs> what, what do you uh you um you saying about crying after the marathon it's, it's funny actually like three of like 
two of the last three interviews I've done, uh, like one with Jamie Peacock, one with uh, David Megiddo, and they both talked about crying during, they've done like ultra marathons and they cried during those. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite interesting. But uh, you're talking about dark places during a race. What do you think about in those moments to, to help you get through them? Is there something that you lean on? Um, Not really, to be honest. I, I couldn't really tell you what I think about um like the math like usually I'd listen to music when like I'm training here at home in the gym or whatever you've got the radio or music on and when I was doing all my training runs you're listening to music and um people are like well for the marathon don't like you want to take in the atmosphere you want to listen to to everything that's going on so um you don't listen to music there but but what it's it's hard to to know like you just think about anything and like I just seem to look at a lot of people around about me like I was when I got overtook by like Big Ben and then there was a guy running in front of me with no shoes on and then you've got a guy like pushing a pram and then you've got like parties going on like you just seem to take in little bits that just pass the time mm -hmm. but there's not one thing that I kind of refer back to and think right I'm thinking about this because that kind of gets me through it it's just a bit sporadic and whatever whatever comes to my head really. <laughs> Have you used like sports psychologists through your career or anything like that? Yeah, we we did a we did a lot with with sports psychs um throughout my my curling career, um a lot very like all of them very different all of them bringing a lot of very different aspects. I guess curling was a very much a team sport, so a lot of that was round about like getting the most out of each of you as an individual, um knowing how to kind of push each other's buttons if they're not playing well how to get them back, um for for me personally I always found that the best psychology I could do was knowing that I'd done enough and knowing that I had um I had I was as prepared as I could be for that that day and whether it was getting up and doing a gym session at six o'clock before a nine o'clock game like I would step on the ice at nine o'clock knowing that I was ready and I was in the best state possible and um, some people would think that's mad that you should be sleeping until um, half past eight so you're as well rested as you can but for me I've got that different mentality in terms of I want to get there knowing that that I was as prepared as I could I was alert I was ready um, I was ready to go so for me that was the kind of biggest psych aspect that that I found yeah funny like that's something that I was talking about with with Jamie Peacock as well like there's nothing like knowing you've done the work for feeling yeah. confident on the start line well that's um, it yeah um what what motivates you? You're like high rocks is hard, is is horrible at times. The marathon isn't easy. You don't have to do these things. Is there something? Oh, that I know. You? Yeah, like it's it's funny because yeah, like what you say, you don't have to do these things. Like I could be completely um sitting back, um, getting a takeaway majority of nights, going out with friends, boozing. Um, like so what motivates me to keep going, I guess, is just having that competitive instinct within me and kind of I want to kind of prove myself that I'm I'm not just a curler like I want to prove that I'm, I can do more than than just kind of throw stones up and down down the ice like and prove that I put in a lot of work to to get that Olympic gold medal and um, there's kind of other aspects that that I've pushed myself through to get there Um, like don't get me wrong like curling like until you give it a go it's a lot harder than it looks and um there, there takes a, a lot of training, a lot of commitment, a lot of choices to to be an Olympic champion and be at the top. But all the kind of aspects that go around it in terms of um, Olympic lifting for explosive strength, um, core stability, 
um, single leg drive, um, working closely with your kind of strength and conditioning coaches and, and things like that. Like I want to kind of use use what I've done within curling on the back of that to kind of carry on and and achieve something else. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and for me, I guess like high rocks is, is one thing that I've I've kind of fallen in love with a little bit in terms of a kind of love-hate relationship that I want to get better and better at it. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's it's kind of there for me to to give a go and, and why not? Do you feel like, you, do you get a little bit obsessed with certain things at times? Like when, when, when you find something, you get a bit obsessed with it? Yeah, you do. Um, like when I was when I was a full time curler, and um, for the last like ten twelve years, like I was obsessed with the sport, absolutely. Like I would watch any game that was going on. I was trying to learn as much as I could from other players. Um, when when I was away competing, like I would do anything I could to to be that best player on the day on the ice, do the best I could to get the most out of my teammate. Um, and then I guess now it it's exactly the same. Like once I set a challenge or a goal. I never really do anything half-hearted like I want to give it give it my all and mm. I think it's it's more known that when you do hit that start line that you've done as much as you can um like little things like the marathon for instance like I could not think of anything worse than running a marathon not having trained or not being prepared um because I know how hard it was and I did a lot of training um so so yeah so I think um yeah of course there's there's there you are obsessed you you are driven but I think now that that my main career being a curler's over, I think like I I I am a lot more relaxed than what I was. I know I can go out with my friends at the weekend. Um, like I'm not hard on myself in that respect, but I know if I if I want to do like a good week's training, like I'll make sure and do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in 2018, you you had hip surgery. Is that is that right? What's yeah. your what what's your mindset around periods like that in injury? Do you do, do you struggle? Is it just, you know, just doing everything but to get better at the time? Or how do you feel? Around yeah. yeah, like that was that was pretty tough. Like I'd, I'd struggled with um, a bad hip for quite a few years, especially around the kind of Sochi Olympics in 14. And I, I kind of just buried my head in the sand a little bit and just kept pushing forward. Like I was always a bit scared to show I was weak. Like I didn't want to show any kind of weakness or fault. So I kind of just got on with it, played through a lot of pain. Um, and then after the Pyeongchang Olympics in, in 2018, like it was it was definitely time that I um yeah, I kind of bit the bullet and um I got the surgery that I needed. Um afterwards there was times I'm I'm kind of lying in the hospital bed and not being able to walk and being under the knife for like three and a half hours, and you wonder whether you're ever gonna step foot on the ice again. And um I worked very, very hard um for my rehab, probably came back a little sooner than than what I should have. Um but then I look back and I'm pretty proud of myself what I'd what I what I went through to get back to to where I was and I guess number one won the Olympics on the back of of getting that surgery. Um, and I, I I see you've been diagnosed with celiac disease as well. Has that affected your life in any way, or is it as simple as avoiding gluten? Do you feel like that affects your performance or anything like that? No, I, I, I actually not not one bit. Um, I think um when when I first got diagnosed, of course, um I was I couldn't even tell what gluten was if I'm honest. <laughs> I was someone that that ate a lot of um a lot of pasta, a lot of bread, and and that was me. Um, but I think now so many different places cater for it. I think I'm a lot more clued up to to what what I need, what works for me. 
Um, so so no, I don't. I, it can I can't I can't say it impacts my performance at all. It, it's more being being prepared. I think that's one part that um like I'm getting better at or I am very good at um especially in the the kind of the the kind of um the last few years of my career like traveling a lot like it's just it's it's being prepared um and that's exactly what what I am a lot of the time okay uh London next for you is it it is yeah um yeah I I, I managed to get into to London um like I'm pretty busy with different kind of commentating gigs and um doing a lot of work with Team GB and the British Olympic Association so it's trying to fit in different different ones that I can and um with the the women's being on the Sunday I, I can make that so yeah I'm looking forward to it um I think it's going to be a kind of different level in London what I've heard it's quite tough um I was pretty gutted after Dublin kind of missing out on a world spot by like eight seconds or something and um you know what it's like when you're determined to to do something um so yeah looking forward to that and then Glasgow in in March um so yeah a few hopefully Nice in June well that's the plan. It's the plan. Um, I'd love to. Uh, I I actually did qualify last year for the worlds after Rotterdam, but yeah, I, I was I had too much on. I couldn't I couldn't unfortunately go. Um, but I'd love love to get to Nice in June if I could. Yeah, it's a awesome. big. Goal. Um, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Just just one last question that that I ask a lot of people: if you, if you could put a message out to the world on a billboard for for the whole world to see, what would it say? Oh, that's a very good question. I think it would need to be something around like, don't be scared to make mistakes and, and give everything a go because it's one part in my career that um I I did um in the mids was um I was too scared to to kind of go out my comfort zone and, and give everything a go and it, it kind of bit me in the end. Um and then come Beijing, I was kind of fearless again, gave everything a shot and um yeah win or lose you know you at least gave it a go right all right brilliant thank you is um where should we send people if if you, if you want them to follow you find out more about you is it on instagram yeah, so instagram yeah at eve muirhead um i kind of have follow uh post quite a bit of my kind of fitness story and um a lot of day-to-day stuff so yeah at eve muirhead on instagram all right all right perfect thank you love this brilliant and i'll hopefully see you in london yeah absolutely thank you very much all right.